Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Prolty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Alex Gruzen, CEO of Ytricity. On today's episode, Alex and I discuss the future of wireless charging and its impact on society. We hope you enjoy this episode. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me today. Excited to have you here because wireless charging is the future. I repeat, wireless charging is the future. While I believe it's the future, in your opinion, is that the missing link to the mass adoption of electric vehicles? Well, I think having a great user experience is important to sort of mass adoption of any new technology, right? And so here we are with one of the most significant technology transitions we've seen in decades, you know, the, the switch to electric vehicles. And we're bringing a cord back into people's lives, right? Every other technology in the past where we've been able to get rid of the cord, we've gotten rid of it. Think about, you know, your cordless phone or, you know, or Wi-Fi is great examples, you know. I, I, I look at a phone and my brain still says, oh, cordless phone. But my kids look at it and it's like it's a phone, like they've never known a cord in their lives. So here we are with electric vehicles and Ytricity's technology allows you to get rid of that new cord with no compromises, right? You can charge just as fast as if you plugged in, just as efficiently as if you plugged in. All you have to do is just park the car and walk away and your car is charging. It changes It changes the game. I remember, I'll date myself here, when we had, for the first TV remotes, they had cords. And if it didn't reach the sofa, you had to get up. Who wants to be the person to get up to change the channel? It's similar to who's going to be that person to plug it in. Dad, you had to plug your car in to charge it. You had to do this. You're developing that technology and you're making it go away. It's a classic case of history repeating itself, eliminating and removing the cord. Yeah, and I think people just don't even know yet that what we're working on is even possible. But it is now starting to launch uh, around the world. And so I'm excited about going through that exact same transition. You hear... People say, oh, I don't mind plugging in my cord. But like once you experience not having to, <laughs> you're like you're never going to want to go back. You're eliminating all of the friction. You don't have to go to the car if it's a snowy weather or rainy weather. So today you have to plug in the technology that you're developing is wireless. It raises the question, can wireless charge faster than the plug? Well, I think we, we certainly charge as fast as the plug. I mean, I, I've spent over 20 years... Uh, in my career developing, you know, sort of new customer, uh, consumer products, right? And what I've always found is that the winning product is one where there's no, you know, yes, but. Like, so in our case, like, yes, it's wireless, and it's just as efficient as if you had plugged in. Yes, it's wireless, and it's just as fast as if you had plugged in. Yes, it's wireless, and you just park your car. You don't have to, like, put it in a particularly precise location or anything like that like that. Yes, it's wireless and there's no moving parts. You know, yes, it's wireless and it could be outside under snow or rain or water and it just wouldn't make a difference. So, you know, it's like I'm adding this great new experience, but you're not having to make any compromise. I think that's generally been the the real, you know, sort of turning point for adoption of new technology. And and we should be honest, I mean, thinking about charging, thinking about range, you know, it, it, it's still a po major point of anxiety for a new EV buyer. And so what, what, what we want to deliver, what we are delivering now, is this experience of just parking and walking away. And if you think about it, like if I drive my car, I park it, it charges itself, I walk away. I drive, I park, I walk away. It almost becomes like I have an infinite range car. 
you know, and that and that's our goal, right? It's just an experience where charging is just something you just never have to think about again. Except maybe that road trip to grandma's house, you know, you're going to pull over the side of the highway, do a fast charge. That's fine, and I'm glad the government is investing in the highway corridors to make people comfortable to know that I could always get someplace I want to go with an EV. But 90 plus of the percent, 90 plus percent of the driving you do is within the range of the vehicle and for all of that time, it's as if I never had to think about plugging in my car ever again. The number one thing that you're doing, in my opinion, you're eliminating stress. There's no stress. So the I'm going to the grocery store, it'll, it'll charge the car. I'm dropping kids off at school, it'll charge the car. When, it, let's say a, a large international, multinational real estate developers developing new infrastructure, say they're building a grocery store, they're, they're building a parking garage at a mall, can your charging technology be put into the infrastructure so, okay, you're in spot A, I'm in spot B, which is, it's already there naturally. We don't even have to think, oh, I got to get one of those four charging spots. No, absolutely. It can be built in. In fact, you know, from an infrastructure build out point of view, it's no more complicated than, you know, pulling power to that, that parking spot for a normal plug in, you know, conductive charge. I think, in fact, you know, the, the, the bigger challenge across the, the country is, you know, we need real estate developers to start planning for charging, period, whether it's wired or wireless, right? And, and you know, pulling the power to where people park. I think that, you know, the, the model that we're all going to be able to go to a fast charger somewhere and that that's going to become our primary way of, quote, sort of like fueling up our vehicles the way it was with gas stations, I don't think scales. I think, you know, as an industry, we need to make it easier for people to park wherever it is they charge. In public locations, city streets, parking garages, you know, and, and, and at home. For a real estate developer that's listening to this, is one of the simplest things they can do is put extra conduit in their garages that they're developing. And so when they have to put the electrical infrastructure and the, the conduits are there, they don't have to rip up the concrete. Yeah, and I think some local governments are starting to mandate that. And in fact, not just here in the States, but over, overseas, it's taking hold that uh, you know, regulations at new developments need to have at least a certain percentage of all parking spots sort of pre-wired, at least for charging. I think that's important. You know, if we look at the whole industry, you know, it, it, it tends not to be the amount of power that is needed for this transition to electrification. It's actually the sort of the peak power and the peak load is what really drives cost. And so, you know, using the hours and hours that cars are parked uh, as a ch time to charge them, I think is a necessary condition for like a sustainable transition to EVs and a sustainable grid uh, to deliver all of that power. And, and I don't find feasible the model that, you know, everyone's going to be able to go to a station and charge, you know, charge with a, a, a fast charger, anything equivalent to the experience we've had with gasoline, right? So, so to deliver the aggregate range that people drive in a year, we really need to make charging where you park easier. Uh, and, and that is, I think, has been getting a little bit less attention than it should. Right now, a lot of the infrastructure investment is around fast charging for the highway corridors, I think the next big wave has to be around enabling what's known generally as level two charging, wherever it is people live and wherever it is they park. And that then wireless charging, our wireless charging fits into that beautifully. 
Yeah, there's a developer-related companies. They're building a lot in uh, West Palm Beach and Miami, and they're everything they're developing. They're putting extra conduit. They're putting all the charges in there for the, the electrification. And it'd be really interesting if you look from a developer standpoint, say, okay, I want to deliver the energy in a sustainable green manner. Okay, I'm going to put a microgrid in. I'm going to power the microgrid renewable energy. That makes the transition that much more effective. Well, I think that you know, the, what plays as well into that is the attention that's now uh, coming into vehicle-to-grid technologies, right? And, and using the battery capacity that's stored in the vehicles to support those microgrids. A lot of the interesting, most interesting conversation as well is about what's known as sort of behind the meter. And, you know, for campuses and for buildings to, you know, use the storage cap capacity of the vehicles to shave off the peak power demands of those campuses or of those buildings and radically reduce their monthly expenses, right? This, this concept of demand charges that the utility companies charge for sort of reserving your peak usage. If you can shave those peaks off with local storage, you can save dramatic amount of dollars. In fact, you could probably almost pay for the cars you know, themselves through the savings you could make. So, you know, the, the biggest consumer of battery capacity in the world is EVs already, right? It's not smartphones, it's already EVs, and we're already at a small percentage penetration, you know, of the total market of cars. Um, over time, that's something that needs to be tapped, is that capacity to make the grid sustainable uh, and to reduce people's operating costs. We proved that our wireless charging technology is bi-directional that we can actually move power wirelessly both to charge the car and from the car to feed back to your building, your campus, or, or to the grid. We showed that a few years ago with Honda uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show. And I think it's going to be a, a, a key element of the future of really, really all EVs. There's no doubt that bi-directional is the future, and it also opens up a lot of really interesting economic things where if you give energy back to the grid, we will subsidize, you can have free parking, or if you spend amount, we can give you a discount at, say, Target or your local retail. So there's a lot of really interesting incentives to, to make individuals move that benefits business and benefits the environment, which is a win-win. So we have a lot of consumers today that own, let's say, EVA, EVB, but they don't have wireless charging on them. Can your technology be retrofitted for a pre-existing electric vehicle that's out in the wild today? Whytricity has been focused for over a decade on enabling the automakers, right? enabling the OEMs, the car brands, to factory install wireless charging. And that, that continues to be our primary focus of our, of our team around the world. And we have recently announced that we are taking the systems that we have developed for automakers and we'll be introducing sort of a aftermarket upgrade kits for select vehicles. I don't think that that's necessarily the, the, the massive scaling market opportunity for our company, but we know that there are people who, who are asking for it. We get the demand all the time. And we have shown that we can retrofit vehicles, and it's an important capability as well for fleets, right? So where a fleet, they've determined I'm buying a certain number of these vehicles for 
you know, commercial purposes, whether it's a car share service or whether it's a municipal fleet or a meter reading fleet from a gas company, you know, even a, even police car fleets are a great application for our technology as they electrify. And so the ability to upgrade is definitely, you know, one of our focus areas. But the I, I think it's just a step to, you know, you're walking into your dealer and, you know, buy a car that has wireless charging built in. That's already started to happen. You know, the factory install has started to happen overseas. But most recently, the Hyundai uh, launched their Genesis GV60 in South Korea with built-in wireless charging. Uh, and there are multiple automakers this year in China uh, launching wireless charging, uh, one, one of whom has already announced uh, a company called FAW. Um, so, you know, you look at that market where they've, you know, they're all in on EVs and have been for a few years. And now it's the shift to not just am I going to buy an EV, which I think many other parts of the world, the sort of the market is still at that stage. But in China, it's like, no, my next car is an EV. So now it's just which EV? And like any market that gets to that level of maturity, then it starts to be, how do I differentiate? Like, why buy my EV versus that other EV? It's the same batteries, same inverters, right? And so it starts to shift to, you know, design and features and user experience. And and so we now there are now four automakers in China launching this year that have said like, you know, hey, wireless charging is how we're differentiating our car from the others. So, you know, it's an exciting time you know, we're engaged with, with those OEMs around the whole world to bring this technology to market. The GV60 Genesis, it's a beautiful looking car. It's a snazzy looking car. And then you're going to add the, the convenience factor on it. Does South Korea have the wireless infrastructure in place today? So let's the consumer buys it at the dealer. They go home. They go to work. They go to the market. Is that wireless infrastructure charging there? Or is it still in the early days of being rolled out in South Korea? Well, I'd say it's still in the early days of being rolled out, but it is there. I mean, you, I could show you videos of, of what public wireless charging stations in Seoul, for example, where you could drive the car up and charge. One of the really significant steps in building this market, and believe me, you know, Wytricity has been the driver of EV wireless charging since around 2010, is the establishment of a global standard. Right. We worked with the SAE in particular since October of 2010 to October of 2020. And we still continue to work with SAE, of course, but to set a global standard for wireless charging. You know, in typical technical parlance, you know, it's the J2954 standard for electric vehicle wireless charging. But what's really significant about it is you know, at the SAE, all the automakers come together to set the standards for new technology. And this one was important because, you know, cables and connectors have varied all over the world. You know, it wasn't always clear that if you pulled up to a charging station that it, it would work for your car. And that's improving. But the automakers in, in coming together for wireless charging said, you know, let's not repeat that. Let's just come up with one standard that we know that any vehicle can work on any charger. That standard was ratified in October of 2020, um, which was the trigger point for automakers to start the shift from development to the march to production. And so the, uh, the GV60 is actually the 
first vehicle with a sort of SAE standards compliant wireless charging solution, uh, you know, and, and, and really, I think that many more now to come in the coming years based on that same, same standard. Another reason the standard, you know, is important is like we think about interoperability, right? So, so it's not just about like my car and my wife's car both working on the charger we put in our garage at home, but it's also that public infrastructure can be rolled out with confidence that any car that shows up will work on it. And for the car owner to know that they can go charge in anyone's infrastructure. And so instead of the automaker now having to sell both the part that goes on the car and the charger that might go in your garage, the automaker could know that other infrastructure companies can enter the market, you know, and they can take care of parking lots and public parking garages and the like. The standard will accelerate the adoption of wireless charging. You have the infrastructure developers and providers on one side, you have the OEMs on the other side. So we're going to see an acceleration. Is that going to come in the 23, 24 or the 25 miles as options? Is there any time frame that you can share of when you think wireless charging will start to be rolled out? Yeah, you're going to continue to see uh, companies at the front edge of technology uh, introducing in the 23, 24 range. But I think you know, the broad major global brands are more in the 25 to 26 time frame. Uh, and that's it's not that far you know, away. That's partially, it's, well, in auto terms, it certainly isn't. Um, <laughs> you know, my history is in the, a lot of my history is in the consumer electronics uh, and personal computer business where we had three complete product lines every year. Uh, so now I'm, you know, now I've reset to, you know, three to five year development cycles. But I can tell you, like, we're, we're engaged with OEMs for you know 24, 25, even 26 who are you know actively working on on product launches today. It, it's part of the motivation for us to take those same solutions and build these upgrade kits, and it also feeds into the work we're doing with fleets and pilots because they don't well you know particularly you know fleets don't have to wait till you know, those later years. They can get the benefits of wireless charging now. And we're also developing high power wireless charging solutions for medium and heavy duty commercial vehicles. And again, those will be, you know, those don't have to wait for the three, four, five year development cycles because commercial vehicles sort of by their very nature are planned and designed for, you know, upfitting and modification to suit, you know, to suit their purpose. So you'll see, you know, those uh, high-powered, you know, heavy-duty solutions coming out in the next couple of years. When referencing commercial, I think of Class Eight trucks. Will they eventually be able to charge wirelessly? Sure. Although I don't think it's necessarily a great fit for long haul, but I think applications around like uh, drayage trucks and moving materials around ports and, you know, for warehouse to you know distribution center to retail. There are a lot of classifications of the vehicles, right? You've got true heavy duty, like you say, class eight. There are middle mile trucks where they're going between a warehouse and, a, and a, a, say, a retail store or supermarket chain, et cetera. And then there's last mile. So think about the, you know, the, the vans that we see on our streets every day. And another important opportunity would be transit buses, you know, that, that ride a fixed route. I think all of these commercial vehicles contribute a disproportionate amount of uh, emissions and, you know, and, and 
impact the urban environment in particular. So there's a lot of motivation to eliminate diesel from the urban environment and electrify there, potentially even faster than the broad you know, use of, uh, of personal passenger EVs. And, and wireless technology is really important in those spaces, but for a different reason, right? I talked about the consumer experience. It's about you know, ease of use and getting rid of range anxiety and always knowing you come back to a car that's fully charged. In the commercial vehicles, it's really interesting because there's a, there's a TCO, a total cost of operations mindset in that space. And when you add wireless charging, what it allows you to do is expand the number of hours available to the vehicle to charge it. You can charge at the loading dock, you know, just passively. I mean, the car, the, the van is sitting there for hours being loaded and unloaded, and that time can be used for charging in a place where cables really can't live. I mean, it's the trip hazards, they get run over, the connectors break, you have these big bollards to protect the chargers. You know, you can't really have conductive charging in that environment, but wireless just sort of fades into the background. It's in the ground, it's out of the way. So all of that time is available for charging. And when you have that time for available for charging, you can radically reduce the peak charge rate because you have more hours to charge. And when you do that, you save cost. I mean, it is a major undertaking for any depot to install 20, 30, 50, 100 fast chargers. I mean, you know, you're paying tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in demand charges. You're having new substations built by the utility company. You're waiting a couple of years. If you can even just have the total peak power, you can save nearly 50% of your operating costs. So, so I think wireless charging becomes a real economic total cost of ownership win in the commercial vehicle space. Similarly for transit buses, where suddenly that bus doesn't have to go back to the bus barn and get swapped out for another bus in the winter because the batteries don't have the range, or in the summer where the air conditioning is running. Opportunity charging at a couple of bus stops along the way means that bus can go 24 by 7 if you needed it to. So, so wireless charging fits in across you know, a consumer experience. It fits in in the commercial total cost of ownership. And probably the last place that gets me very excited, although it's a little bit farther out in time, is the world is going autonomous. I mean, there should be any doubt. I mean, we're going electric and we're going autonomous. Tell me how an autonomous vehicle is going to charge itself. I mean, there's no one to plug it in. And so autonomy makes wireless charging, you know, really an essential feature, just like LIDAR, just like radar, just like machine learning, that fleets of autonomous vehicles are going to need the ability to pull over, park, charge, and then continue with their with their mission. I'll, I use the term go to sleep. They need somewhere to pull over, take a nap, or, or have their lunch, and then go back out on yeah. the road. Well, even our first our first customer to launch commercially in China has already started to launch the first 60 autonomous valet parking garages where you literally pull into the garage and send the car off to park itself and to charge itself. And that's happening. That's happening now. You know, I think that uh, you know, autonomy in certain applications may be closer than some people think. 
it's very close. There's a lot of positivity wireless charging is going to have for autonomy. And I see another very large positive impact, accessibility. For an individual's mobility impairments or a senior citizen, it seems like wireless charging is going to change the game. A senior citizen, they're always worried about breaking their hip. They could trip on the cord. Wireless charging limit that. If there's an individual in a wheelchair, it's very complicated to get out of the vehicle to plug it in. Do you see that as, a, as an area of creating a lot of value? Well, it's actually a very important space for us. I, I think it's a, it's absolutely an area that's not been getting enough thought. You know, the, if you look at the typical public charger, it is uh, up on the curb. Uh, so often there are big yellow bollards around it to protect it from someone driving into it. The uh, card readers are not placed at a position where a person in a wheelchair can get to. The cables themselves are unwieldy, and and so wireless charging is a really a, a perfect application to make you know the lives of people who are disabled in some fashion uh, better, right? And 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 to not deny them the opportunity to to shift to electrification. So yeah, there are no moving parts. You park your car and you're charging and you don't have to think about it. You know, in fact, even the, you know, the global protocols that are being developed for what's known as plug and charge, right? The ability to sort of plug in your vehicle and have it take care of things like authorization and billing and such also apply uh, in wireless. So it's been a, an ongoing part of the standards efforts globally that there's effectively a park and charge equivalent of the standard called ISO 1511.8. And so, you know, that experience of just parking your car publicly and just, you know, going away uh, and, and it taking care of everything else is, is very much in front of us. You're simplifying it. Just to, uh, I'm going to put this in, I'll call it simple terms. You, you park your vehicle in spot A, you get out of the vehicle, it charges, charges your credit card, and away you go, biddity boppity boop. Don't have to fight with the card reader if it's broken or any of that. I like to call it power snacking, right? That, you know, the, the ability to just casually top up is, uh, is what wireless charging brings to the table, right? That, that instead of thinking about charging a car every two or three days, instead of, you know, worrying about it, did I remember to plug it in, et cetera, just whenever you park, you're able to charge. And I think, you know, when we think about public charging again instead of going to a gas station and filling up with your tank with fuel or going to a fast charger and charging up your battery as a destination right we could just make charging ambient you know it's just like wherever you park it's there it charges i don't think about it i top it up you know and 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 that's that's the experience that i want to uh you know i want to deliver and I think that that makes, you know, that makes the whole experience of having an EV better than anything you ever have experienced in having a gasoline car. I mean, going to a gas station was never a great experience anyway, right? Why are we trying to reproduce it? But it allows us to also, you know, charge more frequently at lower power level, better for the batteries, increase battery life. I think that the concept in the commercial vehicle space of availability of Periodic charging means that we could potentially have smaller batteries, right? If every time you're at the loading dock, you're getting topped off, then maybe you don't have to have as big a battery, right? And so 
you know, I think that that is uh, same applies for buses. So I think we think of, you know, when we think about the, you know, demands on the battery supply chain, the amount of precious minerals that are going to be needed, you know, anything that we can do to actually decrease the battery size and still deliver the experience people require is, is, is a major positive for the industry. I'm a fan of the smaller battery concept, and I, I like that. Snacking. You go here, I'm going to take a snack. I'm going to go here, I'm going to take a bite. Because if you look at the supply chain for specialty chemicals and for raw earth materials, there's not enough out of the ground today. And then the issue that we're facing today in the oil markets that we see, there's not enough refining capacity for the specialty chemicals in the minerals. So you're right on that solution. That eliminates that, which eventually bring the cost down. Yeah, I think that in the consumer vehicles, there's still the topic of range anxiety, which I think you know, over time may, may settle into sort of, you know, differentiated products for, to suit a person's needs. But the consumers are still anxious about being able to take that one trip that they want to take. But in commercial vehicles in particular, where there's a known duty cycle, a known usage, I think it's a, it's a, a real opportunity if you introduce charging into the process to to actually reduce their battery pack size, which is probably the largest, single largest, you know, most costly component in that solution. It's a game changer. If you have a franchisee that franchises route, they go 200 miles a vehicle day, they put the wireless charging in their depot. So they're going to go from this dock to this dock and it's charging the whole time. You're going back to the, the theme here of eliminating friction, eliminating stress. The franchise owner knows that his vehicles can get out on time. His customers can get their packages. They're getting them in a more sustainable manner. And his trucks are not going to run out of energy. And for the drivers that I've spoken to, they like driving the electric trucks. They think yeah. they're fun. So it's 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 a win-win. So you're developing this technology at Whitricity. Is your goal to become a tier one supplier of electric vehicle charging technology? We support the tier ones today. Global tier ones are our licensees of our technology. Uh, we uh, have created reference designs for the, both the chargers and the receivers that are mounted on the vehicle. And today, tier ones build these for their OEM customers, right? Under license from us with technology transfer of reference designs and engineering support from Whitricity. And that's how the market has evolved to today's point of view, right? We've been focused on getting the standard ratified and getting these first vehicles based on that standard, you know, into production. But going forward, uh, it's also clear that you know the tier ones are most focused on things that get built into the car. So I, I think that there's a much broader opportunity for charging infrastructure that you know we can we electricity can participate in directly. So. We will continue to license and support OEMs and their tier ones for the part that goes on the car. But increasingly, you're going to see, and you'll see more news about this uh, from us, we'll be actually providing chargers, uh, both for home and for commercial applications. Infrastructures, the missing piece, you've said it many times about this podcast, is if once the infrastructure's in place, the technology can scale, scale, scale as the OEMs develop newer new vehicles as the vehicles are developed congratulations on the standard because that's going going to accelerate the growth how do you see wireless electric vehicle charge technology evolving over the next decade there's a it's, it's a great question because there are so many different dimensions right uh, there is obviously scaling to different power levels 
you know, just as other technologies have, right? The, what you need to charge a commercial delivery van or a bus is at a higher power level. So what I, I want people to think about wireless charging not as specifically like a level two charger. You know, what we would what was launched with the Hyundai Genesis, you know, is, a, is an 11 kilowatt level two charger, right? But think of it more like you think about an internal combustion engine. I can design a 100 horsepower engine for an economy car. I can design a four or 500 horsepower engine for a sports car. You can design wireless charging for any particular power level. So uh, one area that the technology evolves is, you know, going to higher power levels. So, you know, DC fast charging equivalent, I think primarily focused for commercial vehicles. And we have already demonstrated bidirectional charging, right? And I think that that's another natural evolution to support vehicle to home and vehicle to grid. And I should add you know, I think that that's a compelling future for Wytricity's technology because for the battery storage to be most useful to the home or to the, the campus, the car has to be plugged in today, right? And when batteries are full, people tend not to plug them in. So it kind of, it's like, this doesn't add up, right? <laughs> but, with, but, with, but with wireless, Anytime the car's parked, it's available, right? The user didn't have to do anything. So I think if, you know, if you're really trying to capture the maximum value out of a fleet of vehicles that are, that's parked at a particular building or campus, you, know, you need to know that they're going to be available to you, and wire wireless is your solution for that. And, and what we showed is that we can move the power back and forth in both directions just as efficiently. And so um, I, I'm excited about, uh, about that evolution. So... So obviously, you know, different power levels and the, the advent of, of bidirectional power as well. I, you know, another thing to think about is there's just a lot of adjacent markets for our, for, for, to this EV space for us. Um, micromobility, scooters, e-bikes, you know, it's an essential part of a sort of how a city is planning out its overall mobility picture. You know, well, nothing better than just sort of a, a public parking stand where you just stick the bike back and it charges itself. You know, think about scooters the same way. Instead of them being picked up and taken away in a van and then redeployed, you know, to just have a wireless charging solution there. And another interesting market segment is delivery. And, you know, increasingly companies are focused on autonomous delivery. And again, that comes back to, you know, autonomous vehicles need autonomous charging, and that's us. Autonomous charging is the future. The future is eliminating the friction. If an individual parks their vehicle in their driveway and, and there's bi-directional charging down there, they can get back to the grid. There's a report I read this morning from California. They're not going to have enough hydropower and they're going to have rolling blackouts. But imagine if all these vehicles had bi-directional wireless charging, perhaps the California grid wouldn't be under the strain it is because of the drought that they're having. There's a lot of good that's going to come out of your technology and I wish you absolutely the best. And Alex, as we look to wrap up the super insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? Every technology that can go wireless uh, has gone wireless. And so I expect people will be saying to me in not too many years, hey, Grandpa, what do you mean you used to plug in your car? <laughs> you know, when we stop talking about wireless charging and we just talk about it as 
charging because that's what we do. That's that's a great point, and I'll leave it on another thing from uh, from the '90s when you had the video games, you had to move around, had the plug, and now you go in this end of the room, that end of the room, and you go in VR. You never even thought that. Oh, you, they used to have to plug in the video controller. Nope, we don't think with that way. The controller, you can go anywhere on your sofa you want because that's where we're getting. Because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is wireless charging. Alex, thank you so much for coming on SAE tomorrow today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as leaders from Sinjin and Columbia Vehicle Group join us to discuss their recent partnership. Sinjin's DriveBot software integrates easily into Columbia's fleet of industrial vehicles to increase efficiency, productivity, and safety. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.